have this one. Yeah, that's good. Okay, thanks. Um, okay, I think that was like a introduction slash roast, but um, anyway, thank you, Eric. Um, it is, yeah, it's definitely my privilege to be here um, with you, and yeah, we, we got to worship with you a couple of weeks ago, and that was wonderful as well. And um, yeah, I, I guess I'll just say a, a couple of things um, before we get into the word uh, together this morning. But um, yeah, Pastor, I don't know if it was mentioned, but Steve, Pastor Steve and his wife Stephanie are away in New York um, this weekend, and they'll be, they'll be back um, next week. Um, yeah, as Eric, as Eric said, we are serving as missionaries in Argentina, and it was going to be for a year, and then COVID, and you know, just seeking the Lord, we had the opportunity to stay and contribute to a church there, and so we're happily um, doing that, and we're here in the States for three months, and then we're going to be going back um, to Argentina to serve uh, the people there, and um, just, we don't really have like a, an end in mind, but we're planning to live there as long as God uh, wants us to be there serving, as long as there's opportunity to serve. And um, also we're in process of learning Spanish. I don't have an, an impressive uh, Spanish uh, vocabulary <laughs> quite yet. It's difficult to learn a language. So, um, but we're happy to be there. We're happy to be serving a church there. And uh, yeah, so with that, um, we may, I don't know if Steve will give us opportunity, maybe next week we may have the opportunity to share about Argentina, but that'll be up to Steve. My wife and uh, my wife Jillian is up in Maine right now with our kids and not here. Um, and the thing, I guess one thing I wanted to uh, share just to, to start out is, you know, how much we miss the church. Jillian was in the church for 10 years and I was in the church serving for, for 20 years uh, here, so... Uh, a long time um, with this church, and we love the church. And just two things that I really appreciate about the church and miss, uh, I wanted to share them as an encouragement, but one is really just that the pastors, the teachers, the elders, um, the, the men and women who are teaching in home Bible studies, the women's studies, the Sunday school teachers, um, they're all pe people who prepare weekly uh, to teach the word of God, and as they prepare, you know, they, they not only want to know the Bible and the history of the Bible and understand the meaning of what was said, um, you know, to understand what they're reading, but they, they also want to receive something specific from God that they might, you know, contribute and give to the church or give to the home group or give to the Sunday school. Like every time they're in, in front of uh, the church, you know, something that actually speaks to uh, people's lives and the children's lives that's relevant for today, you know, and God's word is always relevant um, uh, for us, but it's a matter of the teacher being in tune with really what does God want to say to his people uh, today, and that's something we really miss, um, you know, miss about the church here. It's not um, you know, the, what we've experienced so far in Argentina. It's different, life there is different, the church is different there. And so it, it's something I'm thankful for with this church, that that work is just continuing, and even in times of trial and difficulty, it's, it's only increasing, um, you know, as I come back uh, and, you know, hear messages here, or sometimes we've been able to tune in online 
I'm just impressed by how God is speaking through all the different circumstances that you know, his people face um, through those who are seeking him and preparing his word. Um, another thing I miss is just praying here with, with people in church, um, you know, people who, who just love to rest in the presence of God as they pray, look for the guidance of the Holy Spirit in the midst of prayer. And it's such a blessing when there's an agreement in prayer and a sense that the Holy Spirit is unifying people to pray and agree together. And this is um, you know, the second thing I miss. You could be with a group of friends or in a Bible study afterwards and praying, and one person can pray something and you'll be there and you'll just know in the Holy Spirit, you'll know within yourself that that person has tapped into something that God wants you to focus on and pray. And you can be led together just to be praying with the same mind and the same heart. And you know, that's something that this church has. And you know, it's again something that uh, I miss. I think if, if my wife was here, um, if Jillian was here, uh, I think she would talk about other things that she misses about the church as well. But um, you know, and of course, people, but we can't, we can't go through a long list of all the people and all the things we miss. Um, about you all, but uh, we do miss the church, but we are happy to be where God has us. Um, with that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and if you could just stand with me, we'll read together. We're gonna read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verses one through five, and then also uh, verse 12. So it says, it says this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And you can skip down with me to verse 12. It just says, um, even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you always, uh, Lord, from week to week, day to day, Lord, you always have more for your people. And I believe you have something for this church here today in your word with what's here. Lord, we pray that we would receive of your word we would be built up in what you want for our lives, Lord, that we would let, let go and uh, let go of things that are a distraction, Lord, that we would let go of things that are a hindrance uh, to your Holy Spirit uh, working in our lives. And um, we, th we thank you that you are a good Father, that we can go to you and ask 
and we can receive, Lord. In Jesus' name, we can receive what we ask, and it's your delight to give, Lord. And uh, yeah, we pray that you would be here with us, Lord. You would minister in this place, Lord, that I would be uh, far out of the way for anything that uh, you want to say and speak to your people. And also we pray um, just for the, the churches in the city, Lord, that people would be receiving your word and delighting in you and just worshiping you with true hearts. And uh, also for Steve in, um, in New York, that you would just bless uh, the teaching um, that, that, he, that he's gonna give there. You'd be upon that. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated together. Okay, so... Um, I found in, in trying to prepare a message for this, it's difficult, I think, pro, so I'm gonna focus really on prophecy, but really you could spend a lot of time um, talking about prophecy. I mean, you could spend months probably teaching on it. And so I had a lot of thoughts and a lot of things go through my mind and my heart. So I tried to condense it and just have one message for you so that it's not too long that we're here together. But... There's, a quite, there's quite a bit in these verses that are here in 1 Corinthians um, 14. And we're really just gonna focus mainly on verses one and three. In verse one, it says, I'm changing the wording a little bit, but it says, especially desire that you may prophesy. Right, Paul says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. I change it to say, especially desire that you may prophesy. And then verse three, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is, Paul is seeking to establish order in the Corinthian church and that's because there was disorder. There were people who were getting up on stage and they were speaking in tongues, um, in angelic language. They were speaking and they were drawing attention to themselves. And the focus became more on them and not on Jesus, right? They were interested in being in front, being seen, and expressing this gift that God had given them. And so Paul, is, he's addressing this with the church and trying to correct their behavior. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it follows 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Does anyone know what chapter 13 is about? What is chapter 13? What is it? Love. It's about love. Yeah, most of us know or have read the chapter or have heard it read, right? It's about Love, and I know you heard a lot of, about love throughout the book of Romans. I think of Romans 13, eight. Owe no one anything except love, except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So Paul establishes, um, you know, in Romans 13, the verse I just read, and then 1 Corinthians 13, that love is the premier thing that God wants to have expressed uh, through our lives as we serve him and minister. And Paul, by the Holy Spirit, he puts chapter 13 about love right between Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, which are about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and their use um, in the church. And that's because the gifts in the church, they're supposed to be used uh, in love 
for, for the service of others. And what we learned from the letter is that the Corinthians were super excited about the gift of tongues, but they were not super excited about the gift of prophecy. And again, as I said, tongues is an angelic language that's for a person's own edification, which is their like strengthening and building up. And so, you know, again, the, the believers, they're elevating certain spiritual expressions, certain gifts out of selfishness in the Corinthian church rather than love. And with that, the church was becoming unbalanced and healthy. So Paul had to address it. So he gives this message where he says, look, when you're using the gifts, pursue love, right? First Corinthians 14, one, pursue love. And then he goes on to elevate the importance of the gift of prophecy. And he says this in verses three and four, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And then verse four, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now to be totally honest with you, the, the focus of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is Paul is addressing problems when the whole, that have to do with the whole church gathering um, together. So Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is seeking to set in order what is taking place in the worship gatherings and services. But we also see both in the Old Testament and the New Testament that prophecy is given from one individual to speak to another. Um, we see it with various prophets in the Old Testament, with various people that are in the Old Testament. Um, and then we see it in the New Testament uh, with Jesus, even individually speaking to his disciples. He speaks prophetically uh, to them. One of, one of Jesus' last interactions with his disciples is where he spoke um, to John and Peter, and he said to Peter, and I'm gonna paraphrase, you know, someone is going to lead you where you don't want to go. And he gave him a prophecy about the end of his life where he would uh, die uh, for his faith. And then Jesus, well, Peter asked Jesus what's gonna happen to John, and John, and Peter, and, sorry, and then Jesus says of John, you know, what is it if, you know, what is it if uh, John remains until I come, right? And so we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus, um, sorry, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, prophecy is something that happens um, from one individual to another. So it's not only collectively that prophecy matters, but it also matters uh, from one individual to another. Now, I don't know, you know what, what your view of your own life or how you think about you know, before knowing Christ compared to how you are now, but when, you know, when I think about my life before Christ, my life was like completely useless. Like it was less than useless. I only caused people damage, casualties, you know, and made people around me suffer and not be better for the life that I was living. And I think about Titus 3.3, which says this, for we ourselves also were once foolish, disobedient, disobedient, 
deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And, you know, honestly, this verse is, it's a description of my life before Jesus. I, I don't know, I read this and I was like, that, that is me. I mean, I was, I was 18 when I became a Christian, so it wasn't like a long, long time before I became a Christian, but that was my life, you know, in my teenage years and up until I was 18, I was this person. And, you know, I'll add that even, even after becoming a Christian and God transforming my life, I've come to know that I want uh, more than just a ministry role in the church where I fulfill a physical function. You know, Eric, he listed off a number of uh, ministry roles that I had here when I was um, serving in the, in the church. And a lot of them, I was performing physical functions to accomplish tasks that would serve and better the church, right? But I, you know, from knowing what it says there in 1 Corinthians 14, I don't only want to perform physical tasks where I accomplish something that helps the church operate. I want to be participating in the exhortation, edification, and comfort of the brothers and sisters that are around me. So again, that's why we're talking, we're talking about prophecy this morning in the passage. And it can be a difficult thing to, um, to define and describe just because there's a lot of weirdness too, right? If you're like out there on the internet and you start Googling like prophets and people, you're gonna see some stuff that comes up that is a distraction and is not representative of what God uh, wants for his body and for his people. And, you know, it can be difficult to define in that way just because there's a lot that distracts from it. And I think even when I say the word prophecy, it's kind of like, oh, what is he gonna say? What's he gonna talk about this morning? He's talking about prophecy. What is it? But... We know that prophecy in the Bible, it, it includes the telling of future events. There's many passages uh, where prophets are foretelling events that are gonna happen in the future. We see it with Israel's history. God would use a prophet and speak through that prophet and tell something that was gonna happen to the Israeli people. Then there are also prophecies spoken um, for telling the coming of Jesus, right? There's many, many prophecies that give us um, details about Jesus when he comes and what would happen with his life, everything down to what would happen with his garment uh, when he was on the cross, right? It says that they cast lots and they divided his garment, um, you know, over who would get it. And so we see those prophecies. And then in the book of Revelation, uh, we have a foretelling of the events of the end of this world, right? The whole book of Revelation is all about uh, what will happen um, at the end of this world. And we know, so this is one form of prophecy is future events being foretold. But then we also know that the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, they often had a message for God's people that they were supposed to receive and obey. So different than receiving some kind of information about an event that's gonna happen in the future, the people were getting a message that God wanted them to receive and obey. So mainly in the Bible we have prophecy that's telling about future events, or we have a message 
that is for the edification, as it says, edification, exhortation, and comfort of God's people. In an Old Testament book like Isaiah, which is, it's a long book, I think it's the largest um, book in the Bible as far as the number of words that are in it. It tells of future events, but then also the book has large sections devoted to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now today within the church, the majority of prophecy happens when Bible verses are shared from one, one person's life uh, to serve, serve another. Or they're shared when a pastor or a teacher is speaking the word of God and something goes through them prophetically to minister to the people that are in front of them. And you know, I mentioned earlier what I miss about the church is the teachers who are seeking the word of God or seeking God for his word that, that the word might be spoken through them to minister. And that, you know, that they, as they seek God, that they would share the word in truth and that as people listen, they would see the direct relevance and application of the word of God to their lives today. Now, you know, one additional thing that's important to express about prophecy is that Paul, when we go back to those verses, if you can look again with me, the verses in 1 Corinthians 14, when Paul um, he writes this, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? The letters in the Bible are inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, pursue love in that first verse and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. The thing that we need to understand about it is this is not as much the mind of Paul being expressed to us, right? But it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So. Paul writes, desire spiritual gifts, desire to be able to speak prophecy. And it is reflective of Paul, but really it's more reflective of God, that God desires for us to have spiritual gifts, right? God's word is given to us ultimately by God and it's for us to desire prophecy. And it's, just, it's reflective of God's desire for each of us. And from looking at 1 Corinthians 14, verses one through five, we don't read um, a definition of what prophecy is, but really we see more what it does. We instead see what prophecy accomplishes, right? 1 Corinthians um, chapter 14, 14, verse three, it says the edification, exhortation, and then the comfort of others. So I guess ultimately my desire for you in, in sharing these things and sharing this message is that you, and maybe it sounds weird to you, but that you would want God to be speaking through your life prophetically. Just as Paul desired it, as God desires it, that's really the aim of what I'm sharing we, with you this morning. So I wanna give um, kind of examples, rather than just defining like what is edification, uh, exhortation, and comfort, I'm just gonna give examples that I think are representative of God using his word to edify, to comfort, and to exhort. Because that's really what prophecy um, is about when it's being spoken 
uh, into our lives or through our lives to someone else. So uh, one, you know, there are examples from my own life and my experience as a Christian. Um, one is uh, edification, right? Prophecy is for edification, for building up or strengthening is another way that I think of edification. And for me, a good example of that is um, regarding our ministry in Argentina. So we serve, the, Argentina is a large country. It's a, geographically, it's a large country. But you know, it's a smaller population. It's 45 million people. Most of the people all live in the, in, in, um, the capital city of uh, Buenos Aires. But you know, we live in another city um, with, with a much uh, smaller population. It's something like 25 million people live in like the surrounding area of the, of the capital city, you know, it's so different. And then the rest of the country is like sparsely populated, you know, it'd be kind of like if 150 million people lived all in New York City, you know, it'd be kind of like that. And then the rest of the country is sparsely populated with small cities. But we, we serve there and we're actually part of a church plant. It's only the second Calvary Chapel um, that's there in the, in the country. So there's not, you know, Calvary Chapel is new to there. Um, the first church was planted 12 years old, uh, 12 years or 13 years ago, and then we're serving in the second church that was planted there. But, you know, we're there and um, we're serving the Lord and we're learning, you know, we're learning the language, but it also, it takes a ton of time to learn a culture and to understand it. You know, culture is different in different countries. And so there's a lot that we're learning. But one thing that's different for me and Jillian in ministry there is like when we talk about things that are happening within the church or things that we're doing or giving a message, um, there's not really necessarily a lot of feedback. There's not like a lot of critical discussion around what's happened or what will happen. And some things are kind of just taken for granted. So that's, it's very different than the ministry here where a lot of things are thought about and you know, prayed over and critically discussed so that you know, decisions can be made. It's just not really the culture there. And so it's different for us um, you know, to, to be in a place where we don't receive much feedback. I mean, I think here in the church with ministries, there's probably weekly feedback being shared about different ministries. But there, it's, it's not the case. And so often you can be like, hey, what did you think about the message or what I shared? And it'd be like, ah, oh, it was good, yeah, it was good. I liked it. So um, it's, it, you know, it's a different thing. But part, and part of that is probably our own problem where we don't like fluently speak Spanish. So you know, sometimes it's like a little tiring to talk to us because we don't understand everything and they have to repeat themselves or whatever. But, but nonetheless, it's different. And uh, you know, one time, uh, myself, my wife, we were having a discussion um, with the pastor there, and we were asking him, um, or just talking about like counseling in the ministry of the church. And you know, I was expressing that it's difficult to engage in, you know, in certain conversations. And my pastor, I mean, for me, this is an example of prophetically edifying and what he said to me he's like Greg you know I don't trust in you I trust in the Lord and that even if you only say a little God can use it and it you know again we're not receiving feedback regularly but it just stuck with me I was like okay that's from the Lord you know I heard it it went in deep into my heart and I received it and I'm like that okay that is it's from God that he said that because I needed to hear it and it made me able to do 
what God wants me to do. Because, you know, honestly, being in another country and trying to speak their language, sometimes it's tiring. It's like, this is so embarrassing and humbling. Like, why, like, choose someone who speaks Spanish? Or why didn't I come here 10 years earlier so I could already know the language, you know? But my, my pastor's words, you know, um, they edified and strengthened me in what God has called me to do. And for you yourselves, you know, God, he wants to speak through you. And it doesn't have to be like a ministry circumstance. It doesn't have to be, you know, a pastoral role or an elder role. He wants to speak through us and edify others that are around us. Edifying them in the purposes that God has for them. And, you know, in many conversations, we can want to encourage someone or pat them on the back and, and uh, just encourage them with our natural words. But God has so much more for us in that he wants us giving them something specific from him that'll actually build them up in the spiritual realm. So that's, that's an example of what I believe is prophetic edification. Um, for exhortation, right, it says, he who prophesies exhorts. I want to share an example that it's really more on the extreme side. It's pretty, um, it's pretty intense. But I think the, the purpose of sharing it is that like if God can speak through a person for the most intense circumstance and situation, he can speak through the simplest, right? The simplest needs we have. God can still use someone else to speak to us or use us to speak to someone else to serve them. And so this is an extreme example, but... I want to share it because, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good to hear as far as an example of exhortation. So our church uh, took a trip to Haiti over Christmas, the Christmas and New Year's holiday um, of, it was 2009 into um, 2010. So we, I think we left the States on December 26th, you know, arrived there in Haiti the same day and we were there until January 4th, um, 2010. And it was really an amazing trip for us. It was an unusual trip. Usually ministry, uh, missions trips, we're going and we're busy. We've planned different things and we're trying to do skits or songs and different ways that we'd serve the people there. But this, on this trip, it was really a lot more relaxed. It was kind of an odd trip because we had downtime. And we went to two weddings. And then for New Year's Eve in Haiti, they love to have a celebration where there's lots of music and there's dancing and different expressions of worship that are happening. So this trip is different with the weddings and you know, this New Year's Eve service. Um, but one, one thing we did do one day is that we drove up into the mountains and on that day we fasted and we had a campfire and worshiped um, and, and just a time of uh, the word to share and, and break our fast. The, driving up into the mountains from Port-au-Prince, I think it's like three, three hours. Sometimes it seems longer because you're driving on dirt roads with like big cliffs, like 500, 600 foot drop on the side. So it's scary because there's people coming both ways, not big roads, that kind of thing. And um, anyway, it can seem like a while before you get up into the mountains. But, you know, we're, we're up there and... Um, 
it's a, it's a different thing. When you're there, you don't, you're not gonna be, like you're not waiting to break your fast with a large dinner and then maybe have like a later snack or a second dinner, you know, depending on how hungry you are. Instead, they break their fast with like a croissant, a small croissant at that. And then they have this ginger tea that I think I, Eric likes it, but I obviously, sorry, Haitian people like it too, so I, I don't wanna offend anyone who's Haitian, but for me, you drink it, it's so sugary, it's like a punch in the face, you know? And then like the, the ginger is so strong, it like burns and inflames your nostrils. But anyway, so that's how we end, you know, end our fast, a different way to do it. I prefer a full dinner, but, Anyway, that's what they do. And so we're there, and you know, before we, we break our fast, um, we're around the campfire, and we're worshiping, and we're singing together. And then Pastor Steve, um, he opens the Bible, and he starts to share with Pastor Serge, the pastor of the Calvary Chapel that's there, and you know, in that moment, none of us knew the significance of being there and fasting with them in the mountains and praying over the church. But you know, that night, Pastor Steve, uh, he shared from 2 Timothy 2, and uh, he read 10 verses, but I, don't, I won't read through all the verses, but I don't know if you have those, Dave, you could put them up. Some of the verses that are in this passage that Steve read from and that we prayed over are in verses one through three, it just says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and that the things that you have heard from me commit these to faithful men. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then verse 10, therefore I endure, and this is Paul speaking, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, now Steve shared this passage with Serge, Pastor Serge, and the group of 15 people or so that were there, and then we, we prayed over them in the church. But I, I don't know if you know where I'm gonna go with this, but a week after that trip, maybe eight days after the trip, we left on the 4th, January 12th, there's an earthquake, right? An earthquake that completely shakes and decimates the nation, right? 200,000 people, it's an estimated 200,000 people died as buildings collapsed all over Port-au-Prince. And, and I don't wanna overspeak here or exaggerate um, the importance of what it was like for us to be there in the mountains, but if you think with me about the passage that Steve shared with Serge. He said, you therefore must endure hardship. You know, Steve didn't know that there's gonna be an earthquake eight days later. Therefore, and then the, the ending verse, Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. And this is, this is what um, Steve shared with Pastor Serge and what was prayed over him. And I just look at it and I think, like when I think back, I actually texted Steve and I'm like, Steve, do you remember what you shared then? And he says, no. He like, so it's like all glory to God, right? He doesn't, he doesn't even remember what he had shared. It's like, no, I don't know <laughs> what I had said. So it's not really about, it's not about him. But what was used to serve the pastor there 
in advance. Like God knows he can speak prophetically through his people for an exhortation. And what we could say about, um, you know, just what happened after the, the aftermath of the earthquake, it was just a complete, a complete crisis, right? It's awful to watch uh, from a distance and on the news and, you know, there was all this effort to, to pour money into the country to help. But I just think about Pastor Serge. He's, he's faithful to live out the verses in 2 Timothy 2. Like if, I, if in my life, if I know anyone who endured hardship, Pastor Serge endured hardship. And he endured hardship for the sake of God's people, right? He fulfilled in his life after that earthquake, 2 Timothy 2. And he's, he's still there fulfilling it. I mean, he, he had the opportunity, and I don't know the thoughts that went through his heart, but he had the opportunity to leave the country, right? How many people left the country that could leave the country? He could have left Haiti after the earthquake. He could have got his wife safely back to America, back in Florida, and enjoyed the safety and security and comfort of there, right? But, you know, again, he stayed and he endured hardship. And for months, he lived in a campsite on a, they, they had a church property without the building already being built. And they were there with like, I didn't get to go and visit. Eric actually went, so you can ask him about it. But they lived on a, you know, this campsite with hundreds of tents and hundreds of people, a lack of food, a lack of potable water, a lack of running water, a lack of sleep, and many, many burdens. And Serge was there pastoring and caring for the people of the church. And, and I think if you, if Serge was here with us today and we asked him about it, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't draw attention to himself, but he would, just ha- he would have a lot to say about God's goodness to him and to the people during that time. And you know, I believe that Serge would have remained there. You know, even if we had never taken a missions trip there or visited with them, he, he would have remained there and, and served. I wholeheartedly believe that. But I, I mentioned Steve's exhortation, right? He's prophetically speaking and sharing, like you need to endure all things for the sake of the elect. I mention it because it's the significance and like the privilege that you and I have, right? He got to speak God's word prophetically into Serge's life before the most traumatic event probably of Serge's life. And it's the same thing for you and me. Like God wants his word going through our lives in a way that we can exhort someone for what they're supposed to do even in the most worst, you know, like the worst of circumstances. And that's the kind of privilege that God will give to his servants uh, when we're following him and looking to have his word expressed uh, through our lives. I'll just share one, um, one more example, and this is of comf- comfort, right? It says that prophecy is for um, edifying, exhortation, and then comfort. And God wants to use you, he wants to use me to speak comfort to other people, you know, a person who's suffering from loss, right, the loss of a loved one, a death in the family, 
a death of a friend. He wants us to be able to speak when someone's suffering in sickness or financial loss. You know, there's a, there's a reality, the reality is that there's a long list of things that could go wrong uh, in this world and, and will go wrong for us. But it's your privilege and my privilege to be able to comfort someone uh, in suffering or loss. You know, during a time of someone suffering, sometimes the best thing we can do is really just sit with them, right, and be present. And it's better not, it's better not to speak or to wait until a better time to speak. Maybe someone's grief is, is so incomprehensible that it would be harmful to just start speaking to them at that point. But God, he gives us um, that privilege. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, three through four, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And this, in, this verse indicates that sometimes our ability to comfort others and to prophetically speak into someone's life is born from our own suffering. And so again, 1 Corinthians 14, right, among the gifts, especially desire that you may prophesy, that you might be able to speak edification, exhortation, and comfort um, to God's people. And I, I was gonna share a few verses, I don't, I don't have too much more time with you, but I guess I, I won't, Dave, we won't put up all the verses from John, but one of my favorite parts of the book of John is chapters 14 through 16, right? And Jesus is telling his disciples about the Holy Spirit who's gonna come. And, you know, if I read all the verses, some of it would just, it's a lot to take in at one time, so I won't do that to you. But there's eight verses between John 14 and 18. And uh, John 14 and 16, rather. There's eight verses telling things that the Holy Spirit um, will do. Maybe, Dave, you could put up the, the, um, the list. It says the Holy Spirit's action. Do you have that? Or activity? Okay, so it's a lot. It's in Spanish and English, right? So, but, you know, this is just really a summary of what, what is in there as far as the activity of the Holy Spirit, right? And you have to understand that when, when Jesus' disciples heard it, they hadn't received the Holy Spirit within them at this point. So it, like, it, it just went over their heads. Like They're like, what is he talking about? But Jesus said all this to him within these two chapters and eight verses he, this, of the Holy Spirit. He will be in you. He will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance all things. He will testify. He will convict he will guide you into all truth. He will speak. He will tell or show you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And 
do you have the next list, Dave, where it just says God, the Holy Spirit in us? So if I trim the list down, right, it just, what is, what, what is Jesus saying the Holy Spirit, God in us, is doing? Teaching, reminding, testifying, convicting, guiding, speaking, telling, glorifying, declaring, right? The Holy Spirit is, he's active in us, right? He's not like sitting in some dark corner in your heart, just hiding out, hoping that you do a better job. He's not at a desk with his feet up, like disappointed with you. He, the Holy Spirit doesn't take vacations. The Holy Spirit is, he's not just waiting for your death, right? He's not, man, I can't wait to get out of here, right? That is not the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is all that it says here. He's teaching. This is, and it doesn't limit if it's daily or hourly, right? It's not just a yearly thing, right? It's something that is regularly to be happening in our lives, teaching, reminding, testifying, convicting, guiding, speaking, telling, glorifying, declaring. These are all the things that the Holy Spirit desires to do in you and in me. And, and I share, you know, in conclusion, I share these verses and, and this section. Is, it's good when you have time to go through and read in, in John 14 and 16 and get familiar with what Jesus says about his Holy Spirit there. But I share it because the connection is really when with with prophecy, right? It's not about us like creating the ideas or trying to figure things out and, 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 and scheme, right? It's really the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He wants to do all these things. <clears throat> and part of what's there is telling, declaring, testifying, and uh, speaking, right? The Holy Spirit is, is there in us for that, for ourselves, but also to minister and to serve others, right? He wants to speak through us. And really, we want it to be, we want it to be prophetic. We want it to serve people and be in power. And it's not that every time you speak and share with someone, they're going to receive it and love it or, or whatever. They may totally reject it or you may offend them. But our, our job is to be people who have the word in us and, and are speaking by the spirit to serve um, other people. It's what God wants to do. And you know, in closing, um, we could maybe the worship team. I guess the worship team could come up as we close here. The thing I, I'd like to say is just, you know, I've had failures serving in the church. You know, even as a pastor, um, just different things I've had to been been confronted on, or just change in ways that I haven't served um, the body as best as I could, or should rather. And I look back and, and I'll be grieved by those things when I think about them. But one, one thing that haunts me probably more often than others is when I think of a time when I wasn't spiritual, a time when I was not ready to serve the people or the person in front of me. And you know I wasn't ready because my spiritual state was not well. And really, it's, it's one of the worst things to look back on when a person around me, he, they needed for me to be able to speak into their life and to edify or to exhort or to comfort, and I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. And I, I know that God wants me to be ready, and he wants you uh, Calvary Chapel in the city, he wants you to be ready for whatever, you know, whatever comes this week, whether it's really big and serious, or even, even if it's something much smaller, 
and you know, could be resolved by natural means, you could say, like God wants us to be ready for both things, to be able to edify, exhort, and comfort. And so, really in, in closing the time, I guess the, the prayer couples could come up, um, if Solomon could have them come up. I just wanna have a time where we, we worship and you know, we, you know, it says that um, prophecy is a gift, but Paul urges us to desire it, right? So we can't like twist God, God's arm and have him you know, give us something um, you know, of our own will, but we, we can come before him this morning and we can ask, saying, God, I desire in my life, like I, I don't wanna be a hindrance to your Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I don't want to not know your spirit as the one who's you know, teaching and, and declaring and testifying. I wanna know the life of your spirit within me so that I might serve others to edify, exhort, and comfort. And so just in the time of closing and, and worship, if you'd like, you know, if you need prayer for anything, you're welcome to come up for prayer uh, for anything um, that you need prayer for. But then also, if you're just in a place um, where you just know the Holy Spirit is not actively working through your life because you're a hindrance, or you hear about the gift of prophecy and you want it, you know, you can come up and pray uh, to, to ask for that uh, this morning. So um, yeah, with that, we'll just start uh, in worship and um, I'll pray and if you, you, could stand, you could stand for the worship as well. But um, if you need prayer, please come, come forward and uh, we'll just close our time. Um, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your desire that you, uh, you, truly, you truly love us, Lord. And then not only do you save us and wash us and cleanse us, and just call us to know you, um, but also our lives, Lord, filled with, filled with purpose by you. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives within us, Lord, for those of who, us who know you, Lord, and have come to faith, where your Spirit lives within us. And uh, Lord, how we, we just pray um, for this morning that Please, Lord, that we would, we would desire uh, what you desire for us. Lord, that we would not reject or despise a gift that you have and that you want to be active uh, in this church, Lord. And we know that, yeah, there's just so many things, God. There's so many things that need to be addressed uh, from day to day, week to week, Lord. And we don't want to speak only from your wisdom, Lord. I mean, for our, our wisdom, we do want to speak, Lord, from your wisdom and by your spirit. And uh, we, we pray that you would do that work. And I thank you that you are doing that work here already. But uh, we ask for more of it, Lord, more people who would be able to uh, speak just for the health of this church, Lord, and for just believers throughout uh, Boston. And uh, we pray this uh, in your name. Amen.